Welcome to OceanFit's Onshore Podcast, where Andre Slade, that's me, meets the unordinary people of the open water swimming and water safety community onshore to talk about their adventures, lifestyle and passion for the offshore. In this episode, I met up with Robert Chapo Chapman to harness invaluable insights into what it takes to be a great ocean athlete. Well, I have the honour today of talking to Robert Chapo Chapman, two-time Ironman champion from back in the 70s and 80s, uh, currently the Bondi Surf Club coach and a local Southern Shire high school teacher of many years. Uh, welcome, Chapo. Thank you, Andre. Thanks for the invitation. And I'm talking to Chapo today because he does have an esteemed uh, history and career in surf and swimming an Ironman. Not only was he an athlete and a great one of that, he looks at the ocean and athletes from a coach's point of view. So we'll dive into that a little bit later. But Chapo, let's start off with your Ironman career. You're a junior champion and and then a, a senior champion. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll, prob- I'll just start from the beginning if, and I'll, I'll give the, the short version. I did do nippers at Allura Surf Club. To be honest, I wasn't a fan <laughs> I wasn't a fan of nippers. Um, I would just rather have been out on my surfboard. But anyway, I, I, I did do nippers for a while. Uh, and then I dropped out, totally dropped out of surf club. And going to Cronulla High School, I just surfed morning and afternoon, stand up surfing. And then um, through contact, through, through my peers at Cronulla High School, I got re-involved with Wanda Surf Club and it was at the time where they were just introducing surfboard riding competitions and I went to my first Australian titles in 73 at Burley Heads where I witnessed Ken Vidler win his first open title. Or his senior, they called it seniors back then. So he won his first senior title and that was the seed that was planted. It was, I, I watched that race and I thought, I've got to do this. And I joined the swim squad. Pools weren't open during winter in the Sutherland Shire. Now they're, they're open 12 months of the year, but they weren't open at that time. They only opened in October and they closed in March, April. So I had to wait until October, got involved in a swim squad and um, was introduced to at Wander, I was introduced to the board and ski coaches or guys who were paddling boards and skis, and I just joined in, and it developed from there. What was it about watching Ken that inspired you so much? The event and and the fact that that particular event, that particular event drew the attention of the whole beach. Now, Australian titles back in the 70s were only two days long. So this carnival, we flew up, I think, on maybe Thursday night. Friday was sort of getting all the gear and that ready, and then Saturday, Sunday was the event. That, that was the Aussie titles. But it was just the atmosphere surrounding that particular event, the Ironman. I just thought, wow, this is just – I've got it. I just want this. And um, so 74, I went to Glenelg. I finished fourth in the juniors. The following year, I won it. 
and then proceeded into the senior ranks. Um, 78, Kingscliff, three years later, success. And then between 78 and 84, I had my, uh, two or three second places. And then in 84, one of the Karai. And then one more second place after that. But in that time, I, re- I retired from open competition in 91. I was 33. And I only, in all those years, I only missed out on one Australian Open Ironman final once. So I think it was, I think I counted them up once. So I think it was about 16 open finals and I missed out one year. Yeah. And you were around when there were some, some other big names alongside yourself, the Grant Kennys, the um, Trevor Hendys, local boy Greg Allen. Yep, Greg Yapper, Greg Greg Yapper Allen. Yeah, he was around. We used to have a lot of good tussles. Um, Grant, well, you know, that that year in 1980, I finished second to him and uh, he won the double. Yeah, never been done before. And to this day, it's never been repeated. So... That's, that's a legacy that he carries to this day. And then along came Trevor. Granted, won four consecutive. And then along comes Trevor in 87, first year senior. And then he starts his run of six titles. Wow. That was, that was unbelievable. And I personally, watching it, still watching it and still being involved, I, I just didn't think anyone would surpass Trevor. And then once again, the, the benchmark sets so high with Trevor and then along comes Shannon and he wins eight. Like, yeah, phenomenal athletes. So if we talk about the Ironmen that have won more than a single title, like yourself and the names that we've just been talking about, what makes them so much better what help what gets them doubles and four and six and eight you know what andre i've looked let's let's just talk about shannon and um trevor six and eight when you watch when you watch shannon and trevor they to me this is just my personal opinion they just seem the pair of them just to have this affinity with the ocean. Now they all do. You, you don't get, you don't win Australian surf titles in any water discipline without a knowledge, a deep knowledge, and a feel for the ocean. If you watch any of Trevor's races on YouTube, if you watch any of Shannon's races on YouTube, they have an, like all super elite, elite athletes, they just appear to have a instinct, a knowing of a peripheral vision of what's going on around them. And the evidence is there. You can go to YouTube and pick up any of their their titles, their races, and just watch watch what they do. You know, if there's a if there's a, a, a runner going in one particular direction where some athletes may not get the feel of that runner. Trevor and Shannon just seem to have the feel. You know what? And Grant Kenny, Grant is the same. 
Grant on a ski, if, I've heard people say who train with him, who do the long distance races with him on the ocean skis, that he's still one of the best uh, run chasers around. It's just that, it's just that feel for the ocean that those guys have. Kai Hurst is the same in surf swimming. Go to YouTube and watch any of his surf races. You know, we, he, he just, like them, has an affinity and a feel for the ocean. Whether it's innate, it's probably a combination of being innate and also a learnt ability. Do you think it can be coached to that level? I, yeah. I, to, oh, geez, to that level. Of those of those athletes, um, yeah, oh, that's a hard question. That is a really hard question. Well, look, maybe, maybe to a point, um, but then, if if you if you look at the guys, going back to your original question of being being able to do, you know, champ on champ on champ on champ, sort of repeating those, there's only a handful, isn't there? History shows us, the evidence shows us there's only a handful. Clint Robinson, another one on the ski. Look at his races. They're all there on YouTube. I look at them quite often actually, (laughs) especially Clint's races on the ski. Like he might come around the third can and be behind it be behind slightly in the pack. By the time they get to the break, he's level or he's past them because of that affinity and that feel for the ocean. When you watch these guys, they never really look like they get out of second gear, but they are they're working, but they just look like it's just much easier than everybody else. Yeah, exactly. I used to, you know what, I used to love watching Trevor on the board Trevor, there was one particular race. I can't recall the Aussie titles. It was, it was at Currawa. You know, he came around the cans on the board. It was the open board final. He came around the cans in the lead on the board and there was maybe uh, maybe two or three paddlers just on his tail. By the time they had come around the third can, he'd opened up and, and they all came around the third can. He'd opened up a lead of like 20 metres in the space of, maybe two or three board lengths. He'd pulled away to 20 metres and he was chasing runners left to the left, to the right, to the left, to the right, sitting up, riding on the runners. It was, um, yeah, unbelievable. They don't leave anything behind, do they? They work. If there's something to be worked, they'll work it and they'll get the advantage. Yeah, that's it. G'day, kia ora. I wanted to take a quick break to tell you about Ocean Fit. Back in 2009, OceanFit started as an ocean swim school on the golden sands of Bondi Beach. But now, we've become so much more. We deliver our world-leading training to hundreds of swimmers every summer on beaches throughout Australia, and thousands learn from our free educational resources online. Our Swim Scout directory, available on our website and app, will help you find a swim buddy, connect with social swimming groups, and discover swim events throughout the country. You can also participate in one of our events. Escape with us on a wet and wild weekend or immerse yourself on a boutique ocean swimming holiday at home or abroad. So what are you waiting for? Dive right in at oceanfit.com.au. 
Enjoy the rest of this episode and swim free. So looking at the surf swimming discipline yep. out of the Ironman, yep. you mentioned some names, um, Kai Hurst, um, Rido, Adam Weir, who was a great boutsman for the Australian team. What makes these top surf swimmers as good as they are? Well, for anyone listening to this, it is my number one, number one. Obviously, they have the ability the physiological ability, they have the physical um, um, features to be good swimmers. To any ocean swimmer listening to this, to any surf lifesaver listening to this who wants, wants to do water discipline such as surf races, belt races, tube races, whatever it might be, the foundation to these guys is swimming training it's something i'm trying to embed in the culture of bondi surf club rido kai hurst all these great surf swimmers daniel mcclellan was another one they are super consistent with their squad training they are committed to their pool training at all times and then they've got that they've got that fitness keep it simple they've they're just swim fit they are swim fit and when they get in the ocean it becomes a lot more comfortable for them now in the in the idea of catching waves finding the way out and the way in that's learnt over the fact that you've got to be in the surf You've got to be in the surf. It's my opinion that you've you've got to spend time in the surf. Go out, body surf. Just go out and free body surf. That's what I used to do. On a Sunday especially, I would just go out and body surf as far as I could, as far to the beach as I could. Um, that skill actually, that skill of body surfing actually won me the 84 title. The fact that I just could hold that, dying wave into the, the gutter at Karawa along with Rido and Steve Holland and then stand up and, and won the run. But practice, practice, practice. You can't beat it. And that and look, those guys like Kai Hurst, his body surfing skills are out of this world. He's like a dolphin. Oh well maybe he was meant to be a dolphin, <laughs> I don't know. But some of the some of the body surfing masterclasses that he's put on are just out of this world. I always say to my clients, you could take the best Olympic swimmer, you know, your Magnusons, your Thorpedos, they might be the fastest in straight lines in a pool, flat water, but if you put them in the ocean alongside Kai, they've got no chance. No. They just don't have... They just don't have it. So you can be the fastest swimmer. And on the flip side of that, you don't have to be the fastest swimmer in the pool to be the fastest swimmer in the ocean. Absolutely. Spot on, Andre. 100%. In my career, in the Ironman, I was not the fastest swimmer. 
right? Probably look during that era, probably Rito. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd say Rito was the fastest swimmer out of all of us coming through that that time. Well, and Steve Holland, when he came to a few uh, few Australian titles, he he was obviously very very quick, no denying that. And to his credit, he was quite good in the surf. He was good in the surf. But Rido was the quickest at that stage. And then, well, Kai won four Australian Ironman titles, so he, he was he – was, No slouch. He was no slouch either. Definitely no slouch. But that is, a, that is an actual fact that you do not have to be the fastest swimmer in the pool to be exceptionally good in the surf. So the, the thing is you can – Use tactics in the surf if you're not the quickest swimmer, but you can still use tactics in the surf that will keep you up with those lead swimmers. For example, and this is for ocean swimmers who are listening to this as well, you may not be the quickest swimmer in your, you know, your squad in the pool, um, but you can use tactics in the ocean, in your ocean swims to stay with quicker swimmers, swim on their feet. That is just just line yourself up on the line so you're near quicker swimmers and get on their feet and stay on their feet. You can swim on their sides like, with, you know, on their hip. The best tactic I used to use with, with Craig was, with Craig Rido was I used to swim on his feet. Dean Mercer was another one. When I, when I at the back end of my career and Dean was coming through, we used to do the Nutri-Rain series and Dean and Brad Stokes from Southport were probably the quickest swimmers. And I always had this idea, okay, I'm not at this stage, I was 31, 32, and I wasn't as quick as Dean. He was coming through like at 19 and 20. But in every Nutri-Grain race, I used to say to myself, right, line up next to Dean. As soon as he hits the water, get on his feet. And I probably annoyed him for the whole whatever 2K swim leg, whatever it was. But that was my tactic and it kept me with the lead group because, you know, I was at the back end of my career. Um, Yeah, so those tactics can be used in ocean swims as well. That's also great advice for for nippers as well because I know pool swimming and pool squads can be very competitive in the junior grades. They're all trying to get an advantage with the cozies that are the latest, greatest or whatever it is. And they can feel a little bit disheartened going into a nipper comp. And I've had many junior swimmers or parents bring the kids down going, my daughter, my son, they, they're getting thirds and fourths and they just can't beat this swimmer. And it's, and it's really just those tactics you were talking about, those bit more reading of the ocean, using a bit of backstroke, working the runners, all those, all those little things. So even though the Ironman are doing it at the extreme level, it can be done by, from the nippers to the to the to the ocean swimmer. Yeah, and this is exactly you're right again, Andre. This is my own opinion, just my personal opinion. Is so around the around the clubs now. Around the clubs, there are now full time nipper coaches, right? Which is fantastic for the development of the younger the the younger nippers and I was coaching nippers at, at a couple of stages of my coaching career and you know a session a session for me would be sometimes not all the time but 
sometimes I'd throw these sessions in, probably weekly, if we had two or three sessions going, is just surf schools. Because I used to emphasize to the parents and the kids that I wanted your fitness, not necessarily coming from primarily the work I was doing with them in the surf. I wanted that to come from their swim squads. And what I do with them in the surf at a young age is I want to teach them how to get a deeper knowledge of the surf by catching waves, body surfing. And I'd stand on the bank and just watch them body surf, keep your head down. I know you're gonna, your lungs are going to feel like they're going to burst, but just keep that head down till you know you're on the wave and don't swim with your head up as you're trying to swim onto a wave and all these little things that, you know, that I learned um, through my competitive career. So I like to see the younger kids play around in the surf and catch waves and I had this session where I used to run where you could go out through the surf paddle out through the surf and I'd watch them and I said but when you once you catch a wave you have to ride it all the way to the sand no pulling off halfway no stopping halfway you have to paddle if there's a gutter you've got to paddle through the gutter all the way back to the beach they used to love it they used to absolutely love it but at the same time it was developing their their feel for the ocean. There's definitely there's definitely something in saying that you get a feel for the ocean. Look at look at your professional board riders, you know your Slaters and Mick Fanning and John John Florence. These guys, when you watch them, like you said previously, they have a that looks like they're in second gear, but it's it, it's that feel for the ocean that they have just through continuous time spent in the ocean. Yeah. What do you think of the the current state of skills or ocean swimming skills, surf swimming skills within surf lifesaving? Hmm. Good question. Um, look, it, at, at the top level, if you watched, not this year's Aussies, but if you watched the previous year's Aussies, you have your standout competitors. In the 2019 Aussies, you have your standout competitors who um, you know, your Shannon Eckstein's. Ali Day. Ali Day, wow, Ali Day. I'm a, I'm a fan favourite of Ali Day, but I'm a raving fan of Shannon Eckstein. The surf skills at that level, at that level, are just once again they—they're out of this world. Like they're um, they're unbelievable. You know what? They're they're probably at a high they're probably at a high level from semi-finals on. You you make semi-finals at Aussies depending on the event. Um, you make semi-finals. And finals at Aussies, you, you've got a you've got a good understanding. You've got a, a a sound ability in your surf skills, and they're good athletes. Look, there's no denying. You walk onto the beach at Aussies, and you look around you. The athletes, their physical conditioning is just really, really good. Yeah, if you think about Ali Day now, just the nutrition, the the, the types of training that he does 
it's it's a full time gig for him. Yeah, absolutely. But how is what he's doing now compared to what you would have done back oh, in your time? Wow, <laughs> wow. There, oh, there's no look. It's chalk and cheese, chalk and cheese. You know that that first eighty four cool and got a gold. And you can talk to Leachy about this, but that eighty four cool and got a gold. We really we had no idea. But we had, we were we were going from a, a fifteen minute event to something that lasted four hours. And we had look, seriously, we none of us, we just we had no idea. <laughs> but then you look at yeah, so in that regard, but it was a sign it was just the times, you know, it was the times. All of a sudden we had this poster put up in our surf club that there was this $20,000 gold bullion event being held on the Gold Coast for a movie going to be called Cool and Gatta Gold. And all of a sudden around, I don't know, October, November, maybe even November, we started training. So we started road running and we started beach running and and all that sort of stuff. Now Ali Day, he's won six and he – that's his speciality. With with Ali, I I think he I think he's turning thirty this year or close to. I really 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 hope Ali Day wins an Australian Open Man Open Ironman title. And the reason for that is I think he deserves it. I just think he's one af- They all if they all, they're all training hard and you know if they win it they des- they've earned it and they've deserved it but Ali's just one of my favorites and I just I hope he wins it because I think he deserves it that short course title but he's he's well you were with me two years ago when we watched him come out of the water at Burley Heads because your wife Julianne was racing in it and like he'd already completed like oh no to what two and a half hours of the event or whatever it was at Burley and he's and he waited out of the he waited out of the surf at Burley like it was a short course Ironman and I just was like my goodness yeah he's brilliant yeah, I, love, I, I really like Ali Day as an athlete so that calling got a goal back in 84 you had a bit of an experience yeah, yeah. I when we got out of the swim at Crumbin, I was in the lead with I was well I shouldn't I was level with uh Leachy. I like most of the athletes put on a pair of running shoes. Leachy didn't. He took off. <laughs> He just saw us sitting down putting shoes on and he just took off, didn't put any shoes on. So he, he probably put 50 metres in, into us there. He put 50 metres into us there and, and no one no one closed the gap. Yeah, I was a, I'm a Lucci fan as well. Uh, when we were, even when we were racing together, I used to admire his, um, his, his ability in those long course races. I really like the manly gold. The Gold Coast goal when it went to Uncle Toby's, two cool and got a goals. Yeah, I was a, I was a Lucci fan because he was just so dominant at that stage in those longer races. Ironman racing 
has been changing a little bit over the last decade. There's changes for all various reasons, but it's it's kind of lost its shine a little bit because perhaps there's just many other things for for young people to do and and many other sports um, that have taken the attention away from the bronzed Aussie Ironman. Do you think we're in a good place now with the Ironman racing? And I know I'm good. It was about 10 years ago I used to blog about Ironman racing and I was definitely uh, trying to – I wasn't too happy with what I was seeing back then and I'm, I'm only – I was a fan um, because they were trying to introduce longer races and and I always thought that the most exciting Ironman racing is the short stuff and the big surf. Mm-hmm. And now even Surf Ice Saving have introduced this, what I'd call some hybrid crazy <laughs> event on the Gold mm-hmm. Coast. Are we in a good place with the types of events that we're we're running now with Ironman? I'll start at the what I believe is the premier surf life saving event in the world, and that is the Aussie titles. In my opinion, this is all my opinion. So I just believe the Aussies is the premier surf life saving event. Yes, the public awareness of surf life saving is not is not what it used to be in the in the 80s and the 90s. It's not. We don't have the, – the Aussie titles used to be televised live. People used to sit home and watch Channel 9 with Ken Sutcliffe, Darren, uh, Daryl Eastlake, and they used to watch the Aussie titles live, both Saturday and Sunday afternoon. We don't have that anymore. Prior to that – We used to watch the Aussie titles, not me because I was there, but people could watch the Aussie titles on ABC with Norman May and John Donoghue as commentators. So the Aussie titles was televised on TV. When it hit Channel 9, when Channel 9 took up the Aussie titles, people were watching it in their droves because, once again, there was those hot those names. There was the Grant Kennys. There was a Trevor Handys. There was a Darren Mercer. There was Dean Mercer. The Chapos. Well, yeah, <laughs> but there was there were these people that were being seen every single weekend in the Nutrigrain series and the Uncle Toby series. You know, the Uncle Toby series was live on Channel Ten, and it was live TV, and they used the Uncle Toby series. You look at the crowds they used to draw. I remember North Bondi. The, there was standing room only on North Bondi Beach watching Uncle Toby's. And then the Uncle Toby's guys came in with all these new formats, which a lot of them still stand today. They use it in the Nutrigrain series now, you know, the Eliminator and the Enduro and all these events. So those guys need – the guys, you know, the Mick Porras and Grant and all those guys – who I don't know who was involved. I stayed with the Nutrigrain series, but um, those guys deserve credit because they came up with new ideas. And you like you, you like new ideas, Andre. But the, these guys came up with new ideas in how to make it more exciting and more TV friendly. And they used to get huge crowds, massive crowds. Um, are we in a good place now? We don't get the publicity. There's, I could I could show you. I could show you my scrapbooks that my my mum used to keep. I don't they're they're in the garage, but <laughs> but 
there'd be a, it'd be a rare occurrence where the Sydney media would not run a story on Ironman or surf lifesaving. So the, back then there was the Daily Mirror, there was a telly in the morning and there was the Daily Mirror and the sun in the afternoon. It would be a rare day in the week when there wasn't a story on surf lifesaving in the 80s and 90s, very rare. The other thing that used to be that we were accustomed to when I was racing was that the results, the results of surf carnivals in the Sydney papers were in the paper on a Sunday. The results, like a list of results, they used to have a results page for all sports and surf life-saving results were in there. And sometimes if there was a carnival in Queensland, there were Queensland results as well. So people, people were aware of what's happening. To me, there just doesn't seem to be that profile that there used to be. Do you think we can get it back or is, do we need a big change or do we even need that profile back? Is it? I, I would, I'd ask the question, is the profile of Ironman racing big enough just within surf life saving? I'd like to see the profile. I'd like. I'd like to see the profile of Ironman racing, and you know, well, surf life saving. I'd like to see it bigger than what it is at the moment. But that's my. You know, that's my opinion. I, I just would like to see it because I was used to the eighties and nineties when it was really big, big. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'd like to see it bigger. How, look, I'm not involved in the administration of surf life saving. I'm not involved in that area of it. Um, but I'd like to see it bigger, yeah, for sure. How has surf life saving made you into the person you are today? How has it not necessarily changed you, but developed you and made you who you are? Oh, that's, that, that's probably one of the easier questions you've asked me, Andre. <laughs> you've made me really think during this interview, which I like. It's good. Challenge me. I love it. Okay. What, how's it developed me? Um, it's developed me at nearly 63 years of age, turning 63 in a couple of months. It's developed me in a, in a myriad of ways. The first thing it's developed me at this stage of my life is um, in my own personal health because as I move on in life, I've come to reflect on the fact of how important my health is. I want to die young, but I want to die as I want to die young, but as late as possible. If that if you can that makes sense. I want to die young, but as late as possible. So. I am very committed to my health, in my nutrition, my exercise. I don't exercise with great intensity these days because I understand my own body and if I exercise with too much intensity, it comes back to bite me with my energy levels. We, as you get older, your nervous system and your energy levels just don't have that coping mechanism that they used to have. So that's number one. It's developed me as in my areas as a school teacher. Now, my school teaching is very important. I love what I do. I, I absolutely love it. I love being in front of my classes. 
and it's developed me in the areas of my work ethic. I'm not ashamed. I'm, I'm not. Um, I work hard. I'm committed, especially to my senior classes. I'm, I'm committed to what I'm doing in the classroom. So in the areas of organisation, in the areas of being prepared, in the areas of motivating the students, in engaging the students, it's developed me in those areas. As a father, passing on the values and lessons that I've learnt and, and understand over life of investing time in my, in my daughter, which my dad didn't do for me. He was, he, my dad was an alcoholic. Um, so he, he had his, he had big challenges, which, had, which eventually killed him at a young age. But it, it developed me in the fact that I, I, want to nurture and develop her values. She's 14. I want to develop her into what she wants to become. She sometimes rolls her eyes at me because I'm giving her a little, you know, lecture, but that's okay. I can deal with that. My role is to embarrass. I tell her sometimes my role is to embarrass her, but no, nah, it's just joking around. So, look, you know, I could go on, but it just laid such a, a strong foundation. I really, really, those years as a competitor, getting up, going training, going to work as a, as a teacher, coming home, going training again, being organised, being on time, being punctual. That's a lot of things to learn from surf. Yeah, look, uh, yeah, yeah, it's embedded a lot of good values in me. I made, believe me, I made plenty of mistakes along the way that in reflection, uh, in hindsight, in reflection, I would have said, oh, geez, you know, maybe when my training in that area, I shouldn't, I, I could have changed that. But it was just, this, it was the times, it was just where I was at at that particular time and it was the amount of information I had at that time. I, I could have changed things up in certain areas, but... Um, I'm, yeah, I'm proud of those things, yeah. Life can imitate the ocean sometimes, overcoming adversity and dealing with challenges and, and when things don't go quite right. Have you had a time in your life where you've really overcome a big challenge? Yeah. Um, what, maybe... 12, what were yeah, 12 years ago when I was I think I, I just turned 50 yeah I just turned 50 I went through yeah the biggest uh, probably the biggest challenge apart from my sort of home life as a teenager which was quite dysfunctional at home when I turned 50 49 50 I slipped into a really really deep depression very very deep ended up in hospital on two occasions and it was from a, it was a myriad, it was a, a range of reasons. When I eventually accepted what I'd gone through, the weight lifted, 
And, you know, I didn't work for maybe, probably didn't work for two and a half years. Yeah, I had to take leave for two and a half years and then came back to work um, with a really, really better and richer understanding of what my life was, what life was about. I had a lot, a lot of support, a lot of support. Reached out to some very, very good people who guided me through it all. It was difficult. There's no doubting it was difficult. It was a really stressful, it was a really difficult part of my life. But that experience, that particular experience has also also developed my my thinking and understanding. And so that was, yeah, that was an experience. And you used a an event to help get you through that as well. Towards the end, you ended up back where it all started. Yeah, yeah. Straight when I when I when I came out of it, I decided because during that period I, I of inactivity physically, I put on a lot of weight through antidepressants and medications, which. The, the the professional said this is this is what's going to happen and uh, your energy levels are low and you're not setting goals and all sorts of things. So I decided to get back into physical to lose weight and set a goal because that's what that's what depression is about. People who are depressed lose the motivation to set goals and the goals don't need to be huge. They don't need to be huge when you're depressed. A goal could be just getting out of bed in the morning, getting to the kitchen and making yourself breakfast. These are things that I learnt. I did a lot of reading, talked to a lot of professionals. Anyway, I decided to go in the over 50s section of the Coolangatta Goal because I enjoy being on the ocean, I enjoy exercising, and so I did. I prepared for maybe six months, lost, a lot, you know, got back into good physical condition, went in the gold, completed the event, and ticked it off. And that that was a really, that was an achievement for me at that particular time because I enjoyed it. I wasn't, I wasn't there to win the age group. That, that was of no that, – that didn't matter to me. It was the fact that I wanted to set a goal, go through the process and then tick it off that I'd done it. And that was a – you know, that was one of the turning points that got me back to work, got me back in the classroom, got me going again. Yeah was good that's really powerful and it's great to be for you to be able to share those now with whether it's your students or the people that you're coaching going through that adversity and coming out the other side and all the learnings that you've got from it that's what life's about now isn't it passing on all your life's learnings and career learnings to the next generation yeah yeah definitely spot on Especially to my daughter, because obviously, as a father, she's your number one priority. Even to the kids I stand in front of every single day in the classroom, you know, four or five times a day, I'm in front of 
20, 25 students. And you go through a lesson plan, you go through the steps in the lesson, you've got some students who who are engaged, you've got some students who are not so engaged and it's just, it's just how the classroom works. And by your example, by your example of being prepared, being motivated, being engaging to the kids, you look, there's so many little ways there, believe me, as a, as a high school teacher, there's so many little things that you do that that kids you might not think they're picking up on it, but they're picking up on it. They know if you're organised, if you're prepared, uh, if, you, if you're checking their work, all these little things. So in your own little way, you're passing on lessons to them outside the topic content all the time, all the time. And that's a great way to finish actually because it's those types of things that will make a great ocean swim or a great surf swim. It's being organised. It's all the little things. It's the planning. It's the watching. We've just talked about it for 40 minutes. Those pretty much sum up. If you want to be a great swimmer, a great athlete in the surf, it's the same skills in the water and in life. If you follow the, if you follow Chapo's rules, then you've got a good shot. Yeah, uh, look, back back to w- what we started on, you know, sw- swimming in the ocean. If you're an ocean swimmer, uh, if you're in surf life saving, if you're paddling ocean skis, there is something about being in or on the ocean. There's just something about it. It's nature. And whenever I get into the ocean or whether if I'm on my ski, if I'm swimming, I, 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 I wouldn't get philosophical about it too much because I, I just get it, the, the feel of salt water around you uh, and the feel of the movement of the ocean is just so therapeutic. You know, you could have a, a difficult day at work or something's going on in your life you put yourself in the ocean and, I don't know, it's just like a transformation. It's like a meditation for me. And I'm sure it's like that for a lot, a lot of people, that there's something about the, there's something about nature, get out in the bush, whatever it might be, but there's something about, for me as a person, there's something about just being in the ocean. I could have a, I could have a challenging day at school I could, because I'm teaching close to the beach and I could just detour to the beach after school and just go for a swim and it just seems to wash it all away. There's something about being in the ocean. But on a, on a finishing note for your ocean swimmers out there, Andre, in what you're involved in, I fully support what you say is that, you know, that, that squad training is so vitally important and like with your clinics that you run up and down the East Coast. And I've seen you teach. I've actually seen you teach at Bondi many times and you do a great job, a really good job because your knowledge is very, very deep of teaching your clients what's happening in the ocean. And I love that about your classes, the way you sit on the beach and you're drawing and, yeah. So that's 
you just don't walk them into the ocean and say swim out the back and you, you're actually educating them. You educate them, which is to your credit. My parting words are you've got to do that squad training. You can't avoid that. If you want to get the best out of yourself to the level that you're trying to achieve, isn't there something about life when you can tick something off that you feel to yourself, whether you win, lose, complete the event, it doesn't matter. It's just like tick it off and say, yeah, that that feels good. That, that feels really satisfying. That's, that's a bucket list tick off, you know, type of thing. So that, that squad training will, will build that foundation and then get in the ocean. If you want to be a swimmer, you just got to swim. That's it. Can't avoid it. <laughs> Can't avoid it. Thanks for your time, Chebo. It's been great. Andre, it's an absolute pleasure, mate. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure.